Make sure you're subscribed to Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit that subscribe button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. I've signed executive orders and my administration has taken action to ensure that women get the care they need in medical emergencies. To protect a woman's right to travel, to get health care, to protect a woman's right to receive health care free from discrimination and to protect her privacy. That's President Joe Biden speaking earlier this week on the 51st anniversary of the Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade decision. Then Senator Biden entered the U.S. Senate in 1973. That was 17 days before Roe came down. At the time, he said he didn't like the decision. He said a woman did not have the sole right to determine what happened to her body. He was pro-life and was for years. And then something changed, and now he sings a very different tune. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Live on this Thursday afternoon, January the 25th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Scott Klusendorf joins us to respond to some of President Biden's remarks on the 51st anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Then we'll spend some time talking about pornography. Pastor Christopher Heaton has written a book mentioning the unmentionables. Scott Klusendorf is a regular guest. He's president of Life Trending Institute and author of the new second edition of The Case for Life, Equipping Christians to Engage the Culture. Scott, welcome back. Good afternoon, Todd. As always, great to be with you, and thank you for the kind endorsement of the new book. Can I ask you what changed with Joe Biden, who entered the Senate so long ago as a pro-life lawmaker? In two words, political realities. What happened was Biden, along with a whole host of Democrats like Durbin, like Tom Harkin, many others we know today that are staunchly pro-abortion were at one time at least expressly pro-life, whether they really believed it or not, we can debate. But when the political winds changed and the Democratic Party made it clear in their platform that pro-lifers were not welcome, every one of these so-called pro-life Democrats flipped and became pro-abortion, not because of any evidence that was presented showing the unborn weren't human, but because political reality dictated they had to change or get put out in the political wilderness, and they chose to flip-flop. So if you were to put it on a 1 to 10 scale now, how pro-abortion is our president? He's on a scale of 1 to 10. He's at 103. Why do you say that? Well, because there's no abortion he would oppose. He wouldn't even bring himself to protect children who survive abortion procedures, meaning he is okay with letting children die who are outside the womb, despite all his talk of compassion and caring for women and children. He doesn't really believe his own rhetoric because when it came time for a bill through the Senate that would have protected children who survive abortion procedures, he and every other Democrat opposed it. With the the anniversary of of Roe v. Wade, the 51st anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the president was making some remarks. But of course, that is a small piece of a bigger context, Scott. He plans to make the return of Roe a centerpiece for the next 10 months before the election. What do you think of that? Well, it's a smart move politically because the political winds are blowing in his favor, not ours. Let's be candid here. Pro-lifers have lost every single time the abortion issue has been put before the public for a vote 
since the reversal of Roe. Now, I believe the reversal of Roe was a good thing, but there was a very mistaken assumption a lot of pro-life leaders had, and that assumption was that if we just got the federal courts out of the way, the public was largely with us and we'd start winning. Nothing could be further from the truth. We have a worldview problem in front of us, not a marketing problem, and vast numbers of American citizens, the ones who vote, do not agree with us that the unborn are part of the human family. And the president doesn't either. In fact, his whole statement that you've been referencing assumes the unborn are not human. He doesn't argue for it. He just assumes it, and he can get away with it because of where the culture is right now. So I want your reaction to some of the things the president had to say the other day, beginning with his reflection on Roe v. Wade. 51 years ago today in Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court recognized the woman's constitutional right to choose constitutional right to choose, the right to make a deeply personal decision with her doctor, free from the interference of politicians. I believe Roe v. Wade was right. I'm not supporting, we didn't, they didn't support abortion on demand, it was Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade was the decision. And a majority of Americans agreed. So what do you make of this, the rhetoric of deeply personal decision? Well, again, it assumes the unborn aren't human. Would he argue that way if we were talking about killing two-year-olds or five-year-olds? No, never in a billion years. So he's assuming the unborn aren't human. But I take issue with him saying the Supreme Court recognized a constitutional right to an abortion. He asserted that twice. No, it didn't. It invented one in Roe v. Wade. In fact, the majority of legal scholars, even many who support abortion, think Roe v. Wade and its companion case, Doe v. Bolton, were disastrous law, and they opposed it for constitutional reasons, not because they were against abortion. And the main problems with Roe, Todd, had to come down to this. It came down to the fact that the court relied on a history that was deeply flawed, namely the laws that were passed against abortion in the 1860s were not there to protect women from dangerous procedures. Rather, they were there to protect the unborn from being unjustly killed. And then secondly, the scholars that I just mentioned who otherwise support abortion say there's no way you can dig up a right to an abortion in the Constitution. It simply is non-existent. So what the president is asserting, namely that the court recognized a right, is completely false on the face of it. The court invented a right. The president attempts to briefly paint a picture of a woman and her doctor as though the woman finds out she's pregnant. She goes to her gynecologist and they kind of both soberly make a a clinical decision to end this pregnancy. What's the reality in most cases with abortion? Almost all abortions are not medically necessary. They are done according to Planned Parenthood's own literature, according to Warren Hearn in his book, Abortion Practice, for, quote, socioeconomic reasons. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't cases that are tragic. There are. But what's interesting, Todd, is the president wants you to believe that every red state that passed laws against abortion or had trigger laws take effect once Roe was reversed, that these red states want women to die and are going to deny them necessary emergency medical care. That is false. Every state in the the union that has a pro-life law also has written into its legal codes that abortion is not defined as acting to save the mother's life. Rather, it is an intentional act to kill the child. And these laws make that distinction, and they make it very clear. Even in Texas, where the president went on to highlight a particular case, 
what you find there is the Texas statute clearly says that a woman, if she needs a medical procedure to save her life, she can get it. That's written in the Texas Code of Law. So this new abortion ban they have there doesn't affect that at all. That law remains on the books. Now, I do agree that in Texas there were some unfortunate ways this situation developed with this 31-year-old mother who had a trisomy 18 baby who was dying, and the court denied her an abortion. What isn't being said is what really went on there. What really went on there is her physician said that this woman faced danger to her own pregnancy carrying this child to term. But that's disputable, and the Attorney General of Texas wanted to verify that, so he put a restraining order on her getting an abortion for this pregnancy. And the doctor himself, what's interesting there is he did not make his recommendation based on reasonable medical judgment. That's a particular standard the law recognizes. Rather, he made it on a good faith standard, which is a completely different standard. So there was dispute about whether this would really be a danger to the mother's health or not. And that's what Texas was trying to figure out. Maybe they could have done a better job clarifying their law, but that doesn't mean that all the other states have problems with their laws. They don't. Here again is President Biden speaking on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade and his reaction to the Dobbs decision. But then a year and a half ago, this this Supreme Court, this Supreme Court, made an extreme decision overturning Roe with their Dobbs decision to rip away a constitutional right from the American people, which had never been done before, a fundamental right ripped away, important to so many Americans a right that is vital to a country founded on the idea of freedom. So uh, what is he trying to say when he says it's a fundamental human right? He's saying it's a natural right that we have in virtue of our humanity. And fundamental rights are pre-political, Todd. In other words, they are not determined by government. They are not dictated by government. They're rights that flow from our human nature. Now, obviously here, when pro-lifers argue that abortion is wrong because it intentionally violates the right to life of the unborn, we are making a natural rights argument. We're saying that the unborn, like every one of us, has a natural right to live, and that right is something that is pre-political. It is anterior to the state. The state doesn't dictate it. The state's job is to recognize it and protect it. And what the president was saying here is that the right to an abortion is pre-political, that it's something that you have in virtue of your humanity. Well, this is really ironic because according to his logic, unborn women in the womb then would have a natural right to an abortion from the moment they're alive, but do not, under his view, have a natural right to life. Scott Glusendorf is our guest. We're responding to President Biden's remarks on the 51st anniversary of Roe v. Wade. When we come back, we'll hear the president on the ramifications of statewide abortion bans and laws, access to abortion pills, and requests for federal abortion legislation. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay tuned. Here's an easy way for you to help us cast Christnet on the internet. 
subscribe, rate, and review the Issues Etc. podcast with your podcast provider. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us reach more listeners in 2024. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. Join Lutherans for Life at the For Such a Time as This Lutheran Adoption Conference, April 10th and 11th in Houston, Texas. Enjoy the testimony and talents of Dove Award-winning musician and adoptee Mark Schultz. Discover expert information and exciting opportunities, and experience the fellowship and celebration. The 2024 Lutheran Adoption Conference, April 10th and 11th in Houston. Find out more and register at lutheransforlife.org slash conferences. Providing artillery support for the church militant on the front lines, you're listening to Issues Etc. This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school? There's one race, the human race. And Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception. All life is precious from womb to tomb. And every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, He created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman. There's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and His Word. To find a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're getting responses to President Biden's remarks on the 51st anniversary of Roe v. Wade with Scott Klusendorf, author of the new second edition of his book, The Case for Life, Equipping Christians to Engage the Culture. So, Scott, here's the president again. He's discussing the ramifications of statewide abortion laws post-Dobbs. Since Roe was overturned in 21 states, abortion bans are now in effect many with no exception for rape or incest. We have doctors, we have doctors with us today who are on the front lines of this crisis. And they can attest to the consequences that these extreme laws are having on doctors and on their ability to care for their patients. Some doctors are feeling they're fleeing their home states because the laws that would send them to prison for providing evidence-based health care. What's your response there, Scott? I would say to the president, okay, dude, show your receipts. Show me actual state statute law that says what you just said. I'm holding here the Texas uh, statute on abortion, and here's what it says. Abortion means the act of using or prescribing an instrument, a drug, a medicine, or other device with intent to cause the death of the unborn child. And the act is not an abortion if the intent is to save the life of or the health of the unborn child, or remove a dead unborn child whose death was caused by spontaneous abortion, or remove an ectopic pregnancy. No treatment for those things I just mentioned, ectopic pregnancy, miscarriage, 
or stillborn child have anything to do with abortion according to these state laws, and yet the president is misstating the fact. What do you make of him couching this in the context of science-based medicine or health care? Well, I love the phrase, follow the science. Does that include the science of embryology, Mr. President, or just that science that fits with your ideological worldview? If we're going to follow the science, we ought to at least say that that science of embryology is clear, that from the earliest stages of development, from the one cell stage, we have a distinct living whole human being. Now, clearly, the president doesn't think all human beings are equal and valuable, because he doesn't include the unborn in the fair treatment of human beings. But he ought to be pressed to show why we ought to accept his view that the unborn are not members of the human family. He needs to demonstrate that scientifically, and I challenge him to do it. Here's the president on access to abortion pills. And the extreme right is trying to limit all women in America from getting safe and effective medication approved by the Federal Drug Administration over 20 years ago, based on the FDA's independent expert judgment. They're trying to block women from getting this medication, even in states where abortion is legal. What is he talking about? Well, there now, of course, is a mail-in industry out there where women can order abortion medication, abortifacient drugs, over the internet and have them shipped anywhere in the country. And there are some moves to try to control that. Then there's good reasons for it. Number one, we're basically giving women very strong prescription drugs with no medical oversight to speak of that's going to make sure it's not going to harm her. But there's a larger philosophical question here. The president speaks of safe medical treatment. Safe for whom? Is abortion safe for the unborn? Notice again, he's simply assuming the unborn aren't human. We are told that now in excess of 50% of abortions in the United States, and we should note that abortion is grossly underreported, or in some cases not reported at all in some states, but we're told that more than 50% of abortions are basically do it at home with the abortion pill. How does that square with the warning that if Roe were overturned, we'd go to back alley abortions? Well, obviously, we're not going to back alley abortions when a lot of women are able to take an abortifacient drug in their home. And that is no walk in the park either, by the way, because that often involves the woman seeing her unborn offspring in the toilet once the two drug procedure is completed. So that's no walk in the park either. But it does do away with the idea that if we criminalize abortion, women are going to die by the thousands because of doctors that are unscrupulous with rusty coat hangers in the back alley of America. Here's a final cut from the president where he is calling for federal abortion legislation. As I made clear, we have to do what the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs would allow, and that is Congress must codify Roe v. Wade for all the states in America. Stop playing politics of the woman's lives and freedom. Let doctors do their job. Let me say it again. Pass laws restoring the protection of Roe v. Wade for women in every state. That's what can be done under this, on the, even under the job decision. But under this court, that is going to be constitutional if we pass it nationwide. That's what I'm working for. I'm working for that law. 
And when they send me that law, I'm going to sign it immediately and restore that right. Until then, my administration is going to keep working to protect women in the wake of the Supreme Court's extreme decision. So explain the president's plan to us. Well, he's right in one sense that under the Dobbs decision, there's no prohibition from the Congress passing a federal law writing abortion rights into federal law that would supersede all state laws. And believe me, if Democrats have enough control in the Senate and House and they have the presidency, that will become a reality. That's why elections have consequences. If you get a Democrat majority in the Senate and the House and you have a Democrat president, day one they will do this. In fact, the president will barely get off the inauguration ballroom floor before he will sign that. And that's just the reality. I know people think that sounds partisan, but the Democrat Party is 100% committed to promoting abortion wholesale, not just here, but abroad by sending our tax dollars overseas to pay for the destruction of unborn life in other countries. People can say what they want about me being partisan, but we got to tell the truth. You've got one party that promotes abortion wholesale. You've got another party that needs to do more resisting that evil, but at least they're not a first-class arsonist. If that were to happen, if the president would receive that kind of legislation and put it into effect, what would it mean? It would mean that's the national law, and it would take another Congress to pass a law reversing that and get enough votes in the Senate and go over the 60-vote threshold there and pass a majority in the House, and you'd have to have a pro-life president which is going to be tougher and tougher to do because the map is not favorable to the GOP right now. It's going to be tough. So we've got our job cut out for us. And what I want to say to pro-lifers, Todd, we have all got to become pro-life apologists and know how to persuade our fellow citizens. And if we're going to get the culture moving the right way, that's what it's going to take. You've talked for years now about making a world, you said we have a worldview problem and making abortion unthinkable, not just illegal, but unthinkable. How do we do that by putting the unborn at the center of this debate and conversation? Well, I think we got to do two things. First of all, we're going to have to get past people's excuses and speak directly to their moral intuitions. And the way we do that is to show the reality of abortion. As my colleague, Greg, Cunningham points out when we show pictures of abortion, abortion protests itself. Then combined with the pictures that depict what abortion is in reality, we make hard-hitting facts and hard-hitting moral arguments against the abortion choice position. We start off by saying that it's wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings. Abortion does that. Therefore, it's wrong. And we can defend that with science, showing the unborn are distinct, living whole human beings, And we can do it from philosophy by showing there's no essential difference between you, the embryo, Todd, and you, the adult, that justifies killing you back then. Why do you think, coming back to where we began, why do you think that the abortion issue has been able to exercise such a grip on the Democratic Party to the point where it is difficult, if not impossible, at the federal level to find someone that, at least in the way they vote, won't go along with abortion on demand for any reason at any time? Well, my short answer is, I think there are a significant number of Americans who have talked themselves into the position that if they don't have a constitutional right to kill their own offspring, every other right they have is meaningless. And for them, that is the number one bellwether 
indicator of whether they live in a just and liberty-ordered society, which is sad, but that's where a lot of them are. The second thing is, I think a lot of Americans love to pluck rights out of thin air. They love to talk about a right to health care. Last I checked, health care did not mean a right to kill people, but that's what the president seems to believe. They also have talked themselves into the belief that any right they want that they pluck out of thin air, the only standard they need for that right is they happen to desire it. So if I want something, that means I have a right to it. And that worldview is deeply disturbing, but it's one that a lot of Americans have absorbed. Scott Klusendorf is president of Life Training Institute. He's author of a new second edition of The Case for Life, Equipping Christians to Engage the Culture. You'll find a link to this great book, and I highly recommend it, and to Life Training Institute at issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Scott, it's always a pleasure. Keep up the good work, and thank you very much. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. When we come back, Pastor Christopher Heaton joins us. He has written a book called Mentioning the Unmentionables, Naming the Corrosive Threat to Our Lives Together and Our Faithful Response in the Body of Christ. Our topic will be pornography. Stay tuned. Listen to the best of the church's music for the Epiphany season at LutheranPublicRadio.org. Sacred music for the Epiphany season, 24-7. LutheranPublicRadio.org. We know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes. Dedicated customer service and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House. Listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House. cph.org. At Memoria Press, the Simply Classical curriculum is specifically designed for students with significant learning challenges. This complete program includes everything you need for a school, self-contained classroom, tutoring, or homeschool to make a classical Christian education accessible for any child. To learn more, visit us at simplyclassical.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child. Do you dream about having stained glass windows at your church, but know they are too expensive to ever get them? Ad Cruesome has the solution. Our window clings are an excellent way to enhance the beauty of your church without breaking that glass ceiling. Visit adcruesome.com and reach out to us to work with you on this project. Ad Cruesome, established in 2014 and still going strong. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M.com. Where Christianity meets culture, you're listening to Issues Etc. Is it hard? Yes. Will it challenge you? Absolutely. Is it a blessing from God for you and those you will serve? 
without question. Dr. Lawrence Rast, President of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The pastoral ministry is all of these things, and that's why Concordia Theological Seminary exists to form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Men from all over the world with a variety of unique backgrounds come to our campus to receive faithful training that will equip them for the challenging but blessed work of serving as pastors in Christ's church. Learn more about studying for the vocation of pastor at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Christ-Centered Worship Confessional Theology Lutheran Community, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana.